0: Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz, and it is my pleasure tonight to welcome our special guest, Eric Knutson from Saw 2, Screen 4. Eric, how you doing? I'm not bad. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm pretty excited to talk to you. I got to say, man, uh, I've been posting your promos for the last uh, several days to a week. You have a huge fan following Oh, really? Uh, not a big surprise, but you have a lot of fans out there, and I can see the chats already. People are really excited with this uh, interview tonight. So, the first question I want to ask you, as with uh, a lot of actors that get started at a young age, your, perf- your first professional credits are around the age of 10. Was it you always wanting to be an actor, or was it a big parental influence?
1: It was it was actually the opposite. My my parents kind of uh discouraged me from doing it at that age. Uh basically I was I I did theater in school. I did the the school plays, stuff like that. And uh I had a, a grade 5 teacher that was extraordinary who was amazing. She would come into class dressed like a one day she came dressed as like a, a shark attack victim. She said that she went swimming out down at the beach this morning. Her clothes were all torn. She was bloody saying All day she played that up saying, I got bit by a shark. We we couldn't believe it. And then she says, okay, at the end of the day, she said, you know, I was just pretending to be this character. I want you guys to come to school tomorrow and pick a character and be that character all day. And this teacher was like that. She encouraged us to act and stuff like that. And I loved it. I freaked out over it. I was enjoying it so much uh, that I asked my parents if I could do something with it. So they put me into – Second City, which is like an improv class. Mm -hmm. And I love that as well. Like I got to work with just free ball with 40-year-olds, people that I normally would never get to do any comedic lines with before. Mm -hmm. So did that. And then I I asked my parents, like, I'd like to get an agent. Uh, My teacher at Second City is suggesting one. My parents said, well, you do hockey. You either pick hockey or acting. So you got to pick which one. So I said, "Okay, let's let's do acting." <laughs> Man, I've been doing
0: it ever since. It definitely was the right choice. Now, let's move on to one of your biggest roles in Saw 2. First of all, do you consider Saw your breakout role?
1: I would say yes. Yeah, I was 16 when I got it and to like it was just after Saw came out. I was a big fan of the Saw movies. Or the, the, the original movie, and so getting that audition was a huge deal for me. And um, that, uh,
0: going into the audition, I got to ask you this: How vigorous was the audition process for Saw <laughs> <laughs> Um
1: Saw 2, from what I can remember, it was uh, it was pretty intense. I think I did four auditions, maybe three. Um, the first one, just basically, you go in there, you do your lines. The second one, I got to meet Darren. And we did the scene with another actor. And I remember being on the ground at one point, being dragged and screaming. The third one was just to try another scene, same type of deal. But it was, with a lot of horror movies, usually they want to see your pipes and see if you can scream and freak out.
0: <laughs> now, did you uh, uh, did you know that you were auditioning for this character, Daniel Matthews, who was Donnie Wahlberg's son in the movie?
1: Yeah, like, but, but back then it wasn't... So super hush hush like Mm -hmm. I remember on the sides it even said saw too. usually like they do a code name now Mm -hmm. if it's something kind of keeping secret um yeah I said Daniel Matthews uh the son I I was psyched I was I was so happy to get that role
0: so I mean you knew this was a big role you had a big part in this movie this was not a five minute you know little clip in a movie you were going to be in it for the whole thing
1: the, I think the, the character breakdown didn't give away that much, but with the scenes that I was auditioning, it was pretty obvious that it was going to be kind of substantial. Now, after
0: you got the role, first of all, what was your reaction?
1: <laughs> I was freaking out. I, I remember that was the days when uh, there was MSN Messenger, mm-hmm. and so I would uh, I changed my my screen name to I just booked a role on the new Saw two movie. And all my friends thought I was lying. Everyone's like, "Yeah, okay." They're not making another one, so uh, yeah, I, I was so stoked I, to, to be part of that movie. When I remember watching that movie, thinking like, "Oh man, I wish I could have done something like that. I wish I could have been part of something like that." Got saw the audition, freaked out, and it all it all came out. together. It mm-hmm. all
0: came together. Now, when you first read the script uh, from start to finish, and that awesome, I think saw two probably in my opinion has one of the best twist ending plot twist mm-hmm. endings absolutely yep. so when you read the script from start to finish what were your thoughts
1: the ending was never uh, in the original script mm-hmm. um, it was kind of I I believe Darren wrote it uh, that twist right while we were filming it. I remember uh Darren coming up to me and saying look we have a a kind of a twist that we're thinking of um and we want to put you in the in the safe in the end so when he says it's a safe place you were there the whole time that blew my mind I was so excited because you know no one really survives jigsaw's traps Mm -hmm. (laughs) so uh yeah I think it was kind of just I had no idea that I was going to be a survivor I just thought it was going to be another one of these quick offs but uh and no, I gotta say, Saw. Now the first
0: Saw, great, but it was contained in a single room. The whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. Saw two was the first movie in what is a huge franchise now, that uh, expanded the world. Uh, and we saw the traps, the elaborate traps. When mm-hmm. you actually got on set and you saw these uh, props, the the traps, what were your feelings?
1: <laughs> uh super excited i did we shot it in like this really tiny sound stage in toronto right by the water that's now the location of very uh lux- luxury condos um but uh walking in there it's kind of you get this smell of like uh coffee like uh old coffee because they usually use that to stain the floors and mm-hmm. everything that was scrubbed all over the walls um and right away, like, when I first got there, they were just setting up the needle pit. So I was like, okay, oh. I'm in for a ride. <laughs> and in fact, the needles, too, there were so many of them that the cast, the crew, we were all sitting there when we were sitting in our chairs. We were just pulling off the, these, the, opening up the packages of the needles and putting on these fiber optic tips, put it, taking, opening them up. There was hundreds of them.
0: Now, in the movie, you play uh, Donnie Wahlberg's son, but there's never really... If I recall correctly, there's no scenes of you two interacting together, is that? Uh, Just at the beginning. Yeah, Uh, the the father-son thing. He, you know, the movie starts off with the police capturing Jigsaw. They've got him. And Mm -hmm. you're like, wow, this is a really strange way to start the movie. They caught the killer. Mm -hmm. But, of course, going into Jigsaw's mind, he had it all planned out. And they believed they were watching in real time what you and the other people were going through and of course part of the big plot twist ending was that that already happened it's in the past that was a recording uh did you like that uh just the brilliant writing and the storytelling
1: that's what i found so amazing i think that darren didn't originally write that that screenplay as a treatment for Saw. I think he wrote that screenplay and it just so happened to kind of work with the whole Jigsaw story. Mm-hmm. So he kind of worked around it and made it more work for the Saw franchise. And when I read it's that's what's amazing about the Saw, the, the Saw movies is that there's such an amazing twist that no matter what, the entire movie you think you're racking your brain trying to figure it out thinking you got it and you never you never get it in the end usually a lot of no. horror movies you can kind of figure out no. saw you can't.
0: no it always blows your mind even the latest one i don't know if you've seen uh, the sort of spin-off spiral yeah even that you're like how could i not see that come i'm not gonna ruin it for you but yeah, you're I'm like gonna- how could i not see that coming now uh did you have uh the pleasure of meeting and interacting with Tobin Bell on the set, uh,
1: such a legendary actor. Yeah, just briefly, I had lunch with him. Our, on set, he was filming one of his scenes. I just finished up one of mine. So we had lunch, and I just sat across from him at the table, and that was pretty much it. I mean, he is just such an
0: amazing person, and just even that time that you got to spend with him must have been yeah. really special. He's uh, a sweet guy. Now moving forward beyond Saw Two, I assume you watched like Saw Three, maybe Saw Four. Uh, were you surprised on just at the end of the day when it's all said and done with how big the franchise became? Uh,
1: no, it doesn't really surprise me. I mean, when I saw the first one, I thought this is a, a great opportunity to keep doing something like this, and I think they made it was they made it for. Such a low budget that I think the the network, the studio is kind of like, well, we can make another considering the amount of money that we, you know, we made off that <laughs> first one. So no, it's not really a surprise to me, and I'm glad they did. I mean, Saw could go on forever.
0: It can, it can, and obviously they just did with another uh, reboot in a sort mm-hmm. of in the same Saw universe. Now they're calling it, you know, the Book of Saw. Uh, now, was there ever a moment in the movie uh, whether while you were on set and you saw what you and the other actors had to go through the traps that made you cringe, even though you knew it was all fake and make believe like picturing it actually happening in real life, Mm -hmm. which
1: trap freaked you out the most? Um, I mean, everyone says it and I have to agree with them is the needle pit. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even that scared of needles, but just, the thought of it is very it, it strikes something in you that you can't help um and when we shot that too like we uh they had a, a fake arm for me to pull the ne- needles out of and just doing that because it, it felt pretty flesh like it it gave me the heebie-jeebies you know you, you felt like you were doing it to someone what but, would, yeah
0: what would you say uh looking back on all the movies now including saw 2 what makes this uh franchise so special is it the unique writing the storytelling, the vigilante aspect of uh, John Kramer, who is you know who is Jigsaw.
1: Yeah, I think a little bit of that. I mean, I, I, I love the show Dexter. Um, yeah. and in fact, our dog is named after that show, and it's the same thing is, it's 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 almost you're getting justice on something that you feel has been short shortchanged. You exactly. know, something that you, so you're rooting for him at the same time, and it's also just the writing, the twists uh the fact that you can't figure it out your mind can't get around it until the very end mm-hmm. i think that's brilliant a lot of horror movies can't do that
0: and i, I also i got to say i also like how they end the uh saw movies where they sort of all bring it together with that eerie music you know, mm-hmm. you, know you know what i'm talking about the mm-hmm. final moments when everything when they recall scenes Yep. To put it all together for the audience. For me, that is super creepy. And yep. it makes the movie that much more special. Now, you said you were 16 when you were filming it. Uh, it came out when you were around 17. So, how did that work with school? Did you did they give you classes while on the set?
1: How long did filming last? Uh, I think I think the whole movie was 21 days. Well, that's not bad. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was 16... I remember that because it was like the first time I could drive to set on my own. So it, was, it was a big moment for me. Um, but yeah, I, I had to do tutoring. And the way that it works in Canada is that you, you try to get five hours in. Um, you need two hours minimum. So anytime there was some downtime, which wasn't often, if I was on set, then usually we were filming. But if they're relighting, if I have five minutes, they'll send me to, to school. You don't really retain much in five minutes, but uh, you get your minutes in. Exactly. Now,
0: was the first time you saw the final product, was it at the official screening or had you seen it before?
1: Uh, I was at the, well, I actually, there was, I didn't go to the screening. I believe maybe I was working, but uh, the first time I saw it was in theaters with just a regular audience with my family and friends. And what did you think of the final product? Oh, i was I was so proud of it you know usually I can't watch myself uh it's very cringy a lot of the times I just won't watch the projects i'm in I, I'm,
0: uh, I, I understand I'm actually the same way too I like yeah. this I,
1: I will never watch this <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> I know. I know, it's too painful but uh no this I was excited to see just because it it, it just looks so cool. I want to see I was proud of being part of such a an important movie. Uh,
0: Yeah. Now, your character, Daniel Matthews, has a pretty complicated backstory and and strange from his dad, uh, who cheated on his mom. Your dad is sort of a hothead, Donnie Wahlberg. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's a very uh, awkward father-son dynamic uh, in the movie. But you and your father only had those few minutes in the beginning where you actually shared screen time. Uh, looking at back, Donnie was really great and portraying his character and this hothead cop and, and yours, what kind of mindset when you were in the house going through the traps, did you pull any of that father son aspect to put into the role of Daniel?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I mean Daniel, as we know is, was kind of a, an, an emo kid. Yeah. He, uh He uh, wasn't very happy. Um, so yeah i mean that's that's basically the whole time he's he's i'm thinking about he's angry at his dad for this he think he's they're finding out that my dad's a cop uh i'm again hating my dad for this so yeah it was it was on my mind for sure
0: were you i'm like do you blame would you would if you were to put yourself in your character's position uh do you ever say why my dad is the one who's the guilty one why isn't he, he? Why isn't he here in this house? Why am I here paying for my father's sins?
1: Sorry, I think I lost you on that
0: last question. Yeah, I mean, when you were in that, when your character was in that house, having to go through all of Jigsaw's traps, if you were to put your shoe, your your, you know, put yourself in the position of your, the character Daniel, which you played, you think Daniel was saying, "Why isn't my dad here? He's the one." who has been being punished, why am I being punished for my father's sins?
1: Oh, totally. And that's, that's what I was... One of the biggest questions is, why Why did Daniel really deserve it? I mean, he was just the son of a cop that put a lot of people in jail. Yeah. And so that was like the most kind of like unjigsaw thing I think that jigsaw has ever kind of done is... Going after put someone the son. Exactly, yeah. Now,
0: being that the first one was so successful... And now you landed the role into the second one. There's always a little, uh, I would say, trepidation to any sequel. Is it going to be received as well as the first? Yeah, of course. Saw two was.
1: Uh, were you nervous about oh, yeah. this totally bombing? Absolutely. Every time there's a sequel, there's everyone that's going to say that it doesn't. There's something that doesn't need a sequel. Doesn't need a sequel. Um, I was nervous just in the sense that people won't go give it a chance because it's, it's, it is a sequel to a horror movie, but I wasn't nervous in the sense that if people saw it, they're going to like it. Yeah, um, and thankfully people did go see it. Oh yeah. It was, and I think it, was... it came out in October too, which was perfect.
0: <laughs> and I believe there are a lot of people that I've spoken to who would say they like, uh, saw two better than the first one. Really? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it just, it set the stage for the movies to come afterwards with the traps, it was the yeah. first one, and I think that's why it holds a special place in a lot of people's hearts. Now, how do you feel about reprising uh, the character of Daniel in Saw Five?
1: Uh, I didn't see any of that. I I haven't. I just know no, it was covered briefly, so mm-hmm. I don't know too much. I mean, I, I I feel like they need to cover it more. Obviously, Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of just. Uh, You know, he's, I don't think you can leave something like that and just be a normal person. It'd be kind of interesting to see what happened to him afterwards. Exactly. Now, how do you feel,
0: I mean, how do you react, how did you react when you found out you would be, uh, you would get to use the same hacksaw that was used in the first one by uh, Carrie Elway's
1: character, Dr. Gordon? Oh man, it was, it was incredible. They, they recreated that set uh, in the studio and so it's just, and I never got to saw, see it so until the day that we shot it. And so just walking in there, they had the lights going and everything. It just felt like I was walking into the movie. And uh, yeah, and I got the whole, the, the actual saw, it was it was, it was was perfect. And, and I believe Frankie G, we used baloney for the back of his neck for that scene too, uh-huh. when he peeled it off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, uh, how does it, I mean, how does it feel that Saw 2 is the highest grossing uh saw a movie from the franchise. Did you know that, first of all? No. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's the highest grossing uh, movie out of the entire franchise. The most really? financially successful one. So that just backs up, you know, on how much people liked it even better than the original. That
1: was awesome.
0: That is awesome. Uh, now, some of the traps were rigged to actually work as traps, according to what we read. Was there any kind of uh, mishaps? How many stuntmen were used? And how did that all play out? I don't
1: think if there was any mishaps.
0: Any I meat? think a
1: few, that was like one of the safest sets I worked on, I feel like. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> there was, yeah, there was no mishaps. Everything was pretty safe. Every, All the weapons that we used were breakaway or, or rubber. Uh, the saw was was like a hard plastic that if I, if I did Nick them, it wouldn't do any major yeah. damage. Um, but yeah, no, they were, they were pretty safe. Uh, I, I, I I had the flu shooting that. So that was probably oh. the worst of it.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. All right. That sucks. Uh, now, did you amidst all the chaos that is going on in the movie with the characters? Uh, was it challenging for you as an actor To bring uh, the emotional and the character building that you want to bring to Daniel, amidst all the chaos that was going on on the screen, totally. Uh, How did you
1: deal with that? Yeah, it was uh, because I mean I also knew that the other actors were they were supposed to be hiding their own stories too. That they were you were kind of Darren would come up to us, tell us what why we're here, what's our story, what's our back our background. So all of us were kind of in our own world, which I think is is, is, is perfect for the, the scenario. We all, all don't want to be acting the same. We all have come from different backgrounds. We think that we're here for different reasons. Um, but yeah, he... Uh, and, the most of the, and the most difficult part, too, was just keeping track of the, the, the timeline of how long we've been in the house and and how much we've been gassed yes. and how how much we would be dead by then yeah. so because we would switch around in the daytime we would be like okay well this this is at the beginning so we're we're okay right now or we would we would be really gassed in the morning and by the afternoon switch back and be healthy again <laughs> <laughs> freshly unhealthy
0: would you say you were a horror fan uh before you got to roll saw 2 if not are you a horror fan now
1: oh i've always been a horror fan my um uh, growing up that that's that's what i i live grew up on was being scared i had a I had a, a grandmother that loved to torment us <laughs> um and not like when we were young like three years old all the way till now uh, she would cut the lights she would take us to buildings and leave us in the car she would hide on she would drop us off somewhere and hide on us she would wear the masks come downstairs and uh, the ghost face mask was actually one of the masks that she always used to use to scare us so it, it came natural when it was time for that <laughs> um, but yeah no, I have I've always been a fan of it and I I've, I find that it, working in it for a while kind of takes the the magic out of out of watching horror movies a little I bit I see it's, that you're over analyzing everything being like oh I wonder how that day was um, so there's very I find it harder now to find a, a horror movie that really scares me Heck yeah yeah me too for
0: me my that's why my favorite subgenre of horror is paranormal because I kind of believe in it and it's the yep. only subgenre that I can actually say still kind of freaks me out. Yeah, now, there's a little interesting fact on IMDb that says uh only a few actors involved in the movie got the last 25 pages of the script which of course revealed Amanda's role as Jigsaw's apprentice and mm-hmm. Detective Eric Matthews' deaths.
1: Is that true? I believe so, yes. Um I, th- I think I was told beforehand. I don't think there was ever a completed script uh Fully while we were shooting because of that because they were working on the ending and the twist and they didn't want to spoil it um, But it wasn't as much as like it is today with with uh, making sure no one sees anything But yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think I got the, the the original ending at the beginning So
0: when you started filming then you had no idea if your character was gonna survive or die. No,
1: no idea. Do you think? That, uh, that heightened your performance? Oh yeah, <laughs> big time. You know, especially as an actor, you want to do your best job. So it's like maybe if I do a good enough job, they'll they'll keep me alive and I can work on it forever.
0: <laughs> do you think there's a, a a chance now that the you know franchise is being revitalized? That you know, let me put it to you this way: if you get a call to come back as Daniel, would you do it?
1: Oh yeah, of course, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I I, I owe a lot to that movie as well, and I'm very thankful to be part of that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, people still love them, so do I, so why not?
0: Now, you have the honor of being involved in two of some of the most successful horror franchises. Mm -hmm. That is, of course, Saw, which is what we've been talking about, and then we go to Scream. Uh, You were actually, in the last Scream movie before the new one is set to be released uh, here in, in a little bit. Yeah. Your character was Robbie... Uh, of, Mercer? Know, I
1: think.
0: Yeah, Robbie Mercer, a film major, uh, infatuated, a throwback to the original film. Now, how did you landing that role, how did that work out? Was that uh, a vigorous audition process like Saw what were the similarities? What were the differences between you getting the role in Scream as opposed to Saw?
1: Um, somewhat similar in the same sense as that. I just, I got the audition through my agent. Uh, this was uh, the time that you could self-tape from home. Uh, this was Saw, you couldn't do that. So now nowadays, like anything in the States, it's, it's kind of uh, before I would have to self-tape. Yeah. On a VHS, send it to FedEx, 90 days, or $90, a few days later, find out if I got anything. Uh, Scream was just a self-tape. Uh, I heard back from them, said that they liked it. It was the same, the, the audition wasn't as grueling as, uh, as Saw, where the scenes were more just focused on uh, the comedy. Yeah. They wanted to see if I could be funny. Um, uh, I'm sure that, that I, I could die. <laughs> 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 um, uh. But yeah, same thing. Uh, they called me back, said, we'd like you to try another one this way. Did another one. I did a few auditions. I think I did three for that one, four auditions for that. And uh, same thing, got the call for that. And I didn't I didn't think it was true. I thought that maybe I was just on standby or something until we were sitting down at the table read. I was like, okay, this is happening.
0: <laughs> this is happening. And at that point, it must have hit you. Man, I'm going to be in, I'm part of the Saw franchise. I'm going to be part of the Screen franchise. Not yep. a lot of people could say that. Now, Scream 4 was, I believe, like Wes Craven's, one of his final projects before he passed away. Uh, is there anything you've learned from
1: Wes that you have carried with you? Uh, just professionalism and, and staying calm. I remember m- meeting him for for the first time thinking, I mean, this is the man that's created my nightmares for my entire life that scared a lot of people i mean he's been making
0: movies since the early 70s exactly
1: yeah so he's he's haunted a lot of people's dreams uh his writing you'd think that he would be a slightly twisted man or something off but he was couldn't be any nicer and throughout the most stressful times uh being a director is is really stressful especially especially when you're on a time crunch and he was never unhappy. He was never stressed out. He was just calm, cool, and collective. That's and I think awesome. I, I've learned that, you know, like as much as a situation can get, can get really bad, you know, it's, it doesn't help to, to panic. Exactly, <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, he was an awesome filmmaker, and mm-hmm. it was so sad when he passed away. Now, uh, how did you, what did you feel about Robbie's character being a throwback? to the original movie uh, characters who turned out to be the killers, fascinated with horror movies. Robbie was more of a video nerd, mm-hmm. you know, for lack of a better term. Always yeah. had a camera in
1: someone's face. What yeah. did you think of the character of Robbie? I thought he was very similar to Randy mm-hmm. in, in the first. And, uh, and I think you kind of need that, someone that knows, that's the whole point of Scream, is that they're self-aware of what's happening to them. And making fun of the whole idea that it's a a horror movie. So I think you needed a a film buff in there somewhere. Yeah. As well as as the comedic breaks throughout Scream. Although everyone in that movie is funny. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I found them very – I think that's – they were trying to – with the Scream formula, they were trying to – I was basically the new Randy, an updated version with what's happening – today with youth, Uh, I mean, it was on the cusp of the technology of streaming, like, the the whole headset, that was before Twitch and YouTube streaming, so he was kind of groundbreaking in that aspect.
0: And you can actually argue that Robbie's death in Scream 4 was because he was too immersed in technology. Now, Scream 4, I mean, came out in 2011, do you think that was uh, some kind of social commentary on where this world was going being having their faces
1: buried in the screen uh do you think that at all uh well i remember at the time thinking like when i was when we were filming it how i'm staring at my phone going up to the door i'd be like i was thinking like i would never be staring at my phone all the the whole way looking up at the stream i would i, I would occasionally look up but now it's as reality. we can see now it is yeah it, it happened so it makes sense and uh yeah, at the time I didn't think it would, I thought that maybe they were just kind of uh over exaggerating, but uh no, it's it's what people are like now. Do you remember uh first of all how
0: old you were and what did you think when you first saw the original Scream that came out back in 96?
1: Oh, I think I saw that my sister had a sleepover and I got to go downstairs and watch <laughs> it. <laughs> So, Were you the yeah. kid
0: hiding in the in the back staircase while? The, no,
1: the... no, I was sitting on the stairs because I wasn't allowed by all the girls, so I had to sit on the stairs. But I was loving every minute of it because I was allowed to actually watch it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what was it like working with like Courtney Cox and Eve Campbell?
1: Crazy. It was. It was you 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 could write a book with all the stuff that happened while we shot that movie as far as all the adventures that we went on a lot of a lot of the times when you film a movie you, you get put up in a hotel and you you see your castmates when you go to work but with with uh the screencast we were all in the same hotel on the same floor next to each other so it was at the end of the day we all hung out and uh I couldn't believe how welcoming and accepting they were for some Canadian actor to be hanging out with these grade A celebrities and uh, not think that it's weird. And, uh, yeah, they were just so accepting of me. And then we all became a family. It was some of the, one of the best sets I've ever worked on. They, that is so cool.
0: That is, yeah. that is so cool to hear. I love hearing stories like that. Now, Saw 2 was a direct sequel of Saw. Scream 4 was obviously the fourth installment and the last one, up until the new one's going to come out soon, of the Scream. Is there a difference doing a direct sequel to an original as opposed to doing a fourth installment? I mean, uh, any kind of pressure... Uh, was the atmosphere different as far as pressure-wise? Okay, we're in the fourth movie now, as opposed to this is the second movie. This movie's going to decide if this actually continues on as a franchise or it dies yeah. right here.
1: Yeah, and I was such a, a die-hard Scream fan, too. I was so scared that I was going to screw it up somehow, or that people were just going to be angry that it was being made. But, uh, of course, you, you you have those nerves, but and it was, it was so long before, it so long since the last one that people were wanting one, but people were going to be very judgmental and, and very critical of any, anything that was wrong with it. Um, so yeah, I had, I had that, those nerves if I was going to be funny enough, if, if people were going to like, because the characters in, in the first one were all amazing. They're all iconic. You can, you can do them as a Halloween costume, exactly. every single character. So it's like, am I going to be able to live up to that? And so you just, you do your best, you know, and uh, see if the audience likes it. Now, you and Rory Culkin plays
0: Charlie. You guys had uh, great chemistry on the set together as friends. Uh, It was your first time meeting, working with each other. Have you uh, kept in touch
1: in any way? I haven't spoke to Rory in a while, but me and him, we're like brothers on set. He was the one, the one guy that was in my hotel room the most. <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> I was the guy that brought the hookah the, the, from Canada so we could all sit around and smoke hookah and chill <laughs> and talk. Um, so they were always hanging out in my room. But Rory and I had um, yeah, a lot together, so we were hanging out nonstop. He's, he went to the hospital with me when I was working on that, and he was a trooper with that because it was from like midnight to nine in the morning. And he's stuck with me the whole time, so yeah, he's a good guy, but I haven't spoken to him in a while. I'd love to catch up with him. Why'd you go to the hospital? <laughs> while we were filming i uh, I started my stomach started hurting, and then Rory and I were talking about going to Grand Rapids because there was this cool bar there that we wanted to check out, and so we we drove that way, my stomach was hurting more. And by the time we got there, I couldn't go in. I said, "I think I gotta go to the hospital," and it turned out I had a really bad kidney stone. Ooh. And oh. we got pulled over by the cops. we <laughs> oh. were trying to explain them to them that we're going to the hospital. Um, but yeah, he stayed in the room with me the whole time. Oh man! While okay. I got the, the scan and the
0: medication. I'm glad you got through that. Okay. Now, uh, would you say that Robbie's obsession with with fame led to his ultimate downfall
1: in the movie? I think so. Yeah, I mean, he was too worried about. He he was staring at the the camera while, when he died. He was he was too worried about his viewership and how cool he's going to look. I mean, he, I mean, kudos to him because uh, he, he was a nerd and overcame all that to talk to people. And I feel like if Robbie had a stream today, it would be a, one of the top streaming Twitch channels right now. It would be. It would be. And historic. actually witness a murder (laughs)
0: Yeah, and even though Robbie as he's being killed I see Robbie as a hero because if I remember correctly you crawled up to the steps to warn the others and that's where you died right there on the steps and you know in my opinion that makes you a hero now moving on to some of your other stuff how would you describe continuum uh, continuum sorry to someone who has never seen it
1: it's uh it's it's hard to explain quickly, but uh, it's basically i'm a I'm just a, a kid in a barn that's very good at science, really good at science and technology. While creating some stuff i I find some files that are from a woman in the future that uh, basically a woman in the future. It's a time travel show where I find out that I'm responsible for a lot of the stuff that's happening and how I can change the future if if I took some other choices instead.
0: All right, that's perfect, that's actually yeah. perfect. Now you've been in the TV adaptation of The Mist. Yes. Yeah. Uh, very popular, uh, It's Stephen King, right? It's a yep. very popular book, mm-hmm. multiple movies, a TV series. Uh did you feel any kind of pressure uh going into that series considering the films and all that that have been done?
1: Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Again, it was uh Stephen King was another one of my heroes and I was a big fan of his and I wasn't sure how much uh, he would have a say on the show, if if he even had a say on the show, but basically uh we shot it First few episodes, and the creators told us that they gave it to Stephen, and they t- warned us that Stephen will be brutally honest. and uh, And he actually enjoyed it. He said he was liking what he was seeing, and so that was like, for me, that was all I needed. <laughs> you
0: if you know? get the author's nod, and especially yeah. if that author is Stephen King, you know yeah, you're exactly. you're doing pretty well. Going yeah. back to Katunum, uh, the relationship between like Alec and Kira very unique uh how challenging was it to establish a bond between those two characters not actually being in the same room while you were filming
1: yeah it was really uh it was the first time i've ever had to do something like that and um we figured we tried it a few different ways uh when we first season we were still getting used to each other as friends and actors co-workers so i would come to set for my off-camera dialogue Uh, that's supposed to be in her earpiece. And I would say the lines to her beside the camera so she could get an idea of how I'm going to say it. Mm -hmm. And then that came to being too much because, like, all my days off, I'd have to come in. On her days off, she would have to come in. So we figured it out to just quickly record the lines and then play it back on the day so we can see how the delivery is. But uh, I don't find it that hard. It's, It's... Especially because I'm always supposed to be busy looking at a computer, usually doing some something on the thing on the the web. Where hearing her voice, I can still react to it. I didn't, I didn't need much. Now, would you say Eric
0: Nuzon? You've played a lot of tech-savvy characters like Robbie yes. and Scream. Are you as tech-savvy
1: in real life? <laughs> <I'm> tech-savvy, <laughs> but not not like the guys I've played.
0: Um, not I'd to that though, but... uh, you know fanatical degree.
1: No, I, I couldn't. Uh, Think of a time traveling device. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I guess I'm I'm handy. I, I can I can fix stuff, but uh, yeah, I'm no, I'm not a science nerd.
0: <laughs> now, Contendum has arguably one of the smartest takes on time travel that we've seen in modern television. I mean, how do you think they did it as writers in mapping out the rules for time travel with you know that as an asset liability? was it an asset a liability or both in regards to the storytelling mode of the of the show
1: yeah for, well from what i understood um simon Berry, the creator wrote the show with a six episode arc that had to finish the whole show in six ep- or six seasons sorry um and I guess that's the only way you can kind of get around to doing that, doing that because it's a time travel show. You need mm-hmm. to know how to time everything as far as when you introduce stuff that's already been introduced. Uh, so he had it all planned out before, I think, and then just had to condense it into four seasons instead. But uh, it's it's dangerous. You, you, if you just kind of have an idea of a show, write the first season, and then go along with the, the show, you, you can get yourself into trouble if you don't have it all planned out. Yeah. No.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Now, uh, what would you say throughout the span of your career so far has been the most physically challenging role you've had? Hmm. Would you go back to Saw or, you know, would it be something else?
1: I mean, I, I would say Saw right now. Well, no, actually, I mean, I, I worked on a kid's show for YTV uh, a long time ago when I was like 13, 14 and I think that was the hardest because I, I was doing trying to get through school. Um, I had exams going on. I used to get really bad migraines when I was a kid. I was the lead role. I think that was the hardest for, uh, on my body. Yeah. I enjoyed a minute of it. But, uh, yeah, it, was, it definitely took some endurance. I uh, got sick very often because my body was drained. You're working like 15 hours, school on top of that, go home, study, wake up again, do it all over again. That's a lot that's yeah. a lot
0: what what would you how would you describe your just uh your experience working with the cast of jericho which had like lenny james uh skeet ulrich let's yep. see,
1: gerald mcgraney i mean what was that like <laughs> that was incredible too that was uh that was the first time for me working on a show not in toronto or at least near toronto it was out in la um actually the cast just i got added on to uh, a group chat that the cast are all reuniting and they're all wanting to get together. So hopefully that happens. Um, but, uh, yeah, same thing. I mean, uh, now, sorry.
0: Go on. Sorry. What was the question? Yeah. You know, what was it like working with you know, such a cast? I mean, oh, yeah. I mean like Lenny James, Lenny James is like, you know, legendary. Exactly.
1: Uh, yeah. Oh, I know. Uh, now. Yeah, now never- they're all sweethearts, all of them. It's like if that one was like another family too. They all still keep in touch. That's the one the only crews that I really still keep in touch with.
0: Now you and Candace Bailey had a pretty close relationship on the show, on camera. Uh how did you guys build that chemistry? Did it just come naturally, uh, just between the two of you, that it just came through so brilliantly on the screen?
1: Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Um, I mean, I was just kind of being myself, just nervous and, uh, you know, having to do an on-screen kiss was nerve-wracking for me. So, and it worked for the character. I didn't have to be a, a ladies' man by any sorts. Uh, but, and I think there was also a quite a significant age gap. I think, uh, Candace at the time was 26, 27 and I was 17. So for me, like kissing an older woman was exciting. (laughs) I I remember that time.
0: And when you're a boy, 17, when you get an older girl, like into you, you're like, Oh yeah. 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 I I remember that. (laughs) I remember that. Now when you're not shooting, when you're not on the set, what do you enjoy doing?
1: I, uh, I'm pretty low-key. I don't really do much. I, I, I like to fish, um, outdoor stuff, uh, video games.
0: Actually, uh, I got a lot. I got to tell you, I got a lot of fan questions really okay. asking me, do you like to play video games and what's your favorite video game? So oh. I'm going to since you brought it up,
1: what's your favorite
0: <laughs> okay. video game?
1: The one that I play the most today, I would say, is Rainbow Six Siege on PlayStation 4. Okay. Um, But, of course, Apex, I play a lot of. Um, Resident Evil, the new Resident Evil is very good, Village. But, yeah, I dabble in everything, but mostly first-person shooters. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, that is definitely probably the most popular, uh, you know, uh, genre of gaming out there uh yeah. and i'm also glad you're a ps4 person not an xbox ps4 yeah. too. oh no uh, <laughs> PS4 fan. what would you say to uh you know being in this stage of your career which is still you're still very young you have a lot of uh work to do ahead of you mm-hmm. you know going back to when you started out 10 12 what do you know now that you wish uh somebody would have told you back then so a young actor maybe in their teens younger comes to you and what
1: is the one thing that you would tell them I would just say perseverance I mean it's it's one of the most frustrating jobs that you can ever do I mean you're selling yourself as a product so when when you, you don't get accepted and people aren't liking you as a product or you're just not getting roles, you feel like, well, my product isn't selling. I'm not, I'm not a good person. I'm not good looking. I, I can't act kind of stuff like that. And that's not the case. It's just when people mm-hmm. write something, they have someone in mind that they want, they, they, they picture and everyone's has a role written for them somewhere. They just have to wait until they find it.
0: Now it sounds like the majority of the stuff that you filmed uh, has been in Canada What would you say, if there is any difference between uh, productions that shoot in Canada as opposed to the United States? In the United States now, it's not how it used to be. It used to be either L.A., New York. I Mm -hmm. mean, here in the United States, uh, I mean, Atlanta, huge, huge filming spot. Wilmington, yep. North Carolina, huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know it all comes down to the tax incentives that they yep. give the studios. But what would you say, if there is any difference between shooting something in Canada as opposed to the United States?
1: Hmm, that's a good question. I mean, it's just basically... I It would it would basically boil down to the same thing as that with, with Canadians, I find that our, it's very... Uh, Everyone's just wants to do their job, and they're very quiet. They're not there for social hour, basically. In the States, it, it becomes it's easier to become a family because everyone is very talkative and outgoing. I'm kind of a reserved person, so I guess I need those types of people to kind of bring me out of my shell. When, when I work here in Canada, I'll just stay in my shell.
0: <laughs> now, uh, you know, in Canada, where you are and production is being done, I, you said you're near the Toronto area, right?
1: yes okay
0: so when studios americans are there a lot of shows like clarice is, was shot in toronto when mm-hmm. these studios come up how do the locals react oh man here come the americans again to shoot their movies <laughs> oh yeah
1: <laughs> that's it's, it's extreme opposite we're excited to have any american projects here i mean there was a time there we're kind of in competition with vancouver or we who's hollywood north basically so uh a lot of it for a while Vancouver was the number one place it to was. go to. It's kind of, still kind of is a lot of sci-fi and horror there is is there because it's just the, the atmosphere I guess, but um no, I mean when when there's American projects here, we're happy. We're getting we're getting jobs too. Exactly. Yep. I mean Vancouver like you said
0: was huge, especially back in the 90s. I remember like the the show that comes directly to my mind that was shot in Vancouver was The X-Files. Yes. Uh, but that's just one of dozens of dozens of movies and TV shows that were done in Vancouver. Oh, yeah. uh, Canada is huge. Now, uh in the places that you've shot in the United States, uh have you done any filming outside of Los
1: Angeles? Um outside of LA. I shot an episode of uh Twelve Monkeys in Budapest. Oh, sure. We were there for three or four days. So uh, that was my first time in Europe. So I got a free ride to see the world, basically. Absolutely. And then even when I was younger, like when I first started off, I I did commercials. And I did a Canadian tire commercial, which is kind of like our auto zone. (laughs) Um, And we shot that in New Zealand, (laughs) ironically. (laughs) You know, just a fishing commercial. So I got to go halfway around the world just to film a commercial
0: hey, you know what? It's a free trip. and uh, exactly. exactly. You get to see the world. Moving mm-hmm. forward with your career, uh, do you want to stay primarily in films or do you want to branch off into a more TV? Uh, you know, a lot of actors that I speak to, uh, surprise, this always surprises me, they do not want to be uh, pigeonholed into even a very successful TV show and get, you know, stereotyped into a role. Let's mm-hmm. say a TV show that lasts five or more seasons, and yeah. you're a regular on that show. For you, do you want to continually play different characters, or do you want to get, you know, you know, the job security that comes along with it, uh, I mean, a role on the next big hit TV show?
1: I mean, I, when I first started, there was a whole, like, Film and television, I, I would say I always wanted to do film just because I found film a much more subtle act, acting than than television, an acting that I was more comfortable with. But nowadays, television is like film. Uh, the shows that are out nowadays are just like extended movies. They're, it's incredible. So, And and, and I've, I've also had played characters for multiple seasons, so I can kind of understand how uh, feeling like it's getting stale or – you get sick of playing the same person, uh, but if, if you're a capable enough actor, I feel like you can transition no problem. If, uh, I'm not so much worried about the being typecast, more so worried about feeling creatively stifled by playing one thing, doing the same thing over and over again. But you know, it's a it's a job, and I'll suck it up and take it if it's if it's a good show.
0: I totally get it. Now this this is another viewer question. Uh, they said this is their favorite show and wanted to ask, what was it like working on Flashpoint?
1: Oh, amazing! We 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 did the first season of it, and uh, that was the first time I met Hugh Dillon. I've actually he played my dad in Continuum, and I just worked with him last month again. So me and Hugh are, he's a great guy. Uh, hopefully I'll work with him again. And yeah, same kind of thing where I didn't really know what the show was going to be. I knew that it was about uh, Toronto police and the the trauma that they go through with some of this kind of stuff. And I uh, had no idea how big of a show it was going to be and how cool it was going to look. It was like kind of the first show in, in, that was shot in Toronto, based in Toronto, that it looked cool. <laughs> yeah, like usually you kind of have a Canadian style to it, but this was like this looked American, so we were proud of it. Cool, cool. Now, now
0: that the COVID, at least in North America, we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. People are getting vaccinated. The numbers are going down. Are auditions opening back up again to pre-COVID levels? Roles opening up again? How do you oh, see yeah. it?
1: Oh yeah, It's uh, it it was kind of interesting that it never really. S- stopped completely i mean except for those two three months that was really bad there but uh i guess entertainment is considered essential because uh, the, the film industry found a way to work around it with as far as keeping everyone safe and uh they did a great job i i worked on i guess three projects during covid and the protocol was incredible you felt safe um but right now, you can tell it's 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 picking up like crazy. And I think that everyone's kind of consumed everything they can consume with Netflix and all the online media. So people are desperate for new shows.
0: I would say entertainment, movies, TV shows, document, whatever, uh, is a big reason and what helped a lot of people, you know, get through get COVID. It. Yep. I mean, oh, it was therapy, yep. You know, it is therapy. It's a break from reality. And you go yep. into your fantasy world and it's amazing and you know i applaud you and your fellow actors for the hard work you do working through covid and you guys have done awesome we're almost out of time uh up to now what would you say has been the most impactful uh project i guess that you have been involved with uh in your career uh what do you think you know was it saw was it scream what do you think pushed your acting game to the next level
1: i think i would i would definitely have to be shot too i I owe them a a lot because before then i was just kind of doing episodic stuff the odd job here and there that was my first time booking a feature film and once you have that on your resume and people see the box office success it's a lot easier to get your foot in the door in other places so i owe them that and uh And so I feel like that would be my, my biggest breakthrough role and and what helped me the most.
0: Okay. Now, before we go, is there any projects that you're considering maybe on working on that we should be on the lookout for?
1: Um, the one that I worked on the latest, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to talk about it. So I'll just, I won't in case. Okay. Okay. Um, That's fine. but, But, uh, nine films about technology. I did an episode on just recently and I think that's on FX or Hulu. Okay. Um, But yeah, as uh, I'm, I'm just. Auditions are flying in right now, so I do about two self tapes a day. So it's just waiting for a callback, basically. That's awesome.
0: That's awesome. I'm so happy for you, Eric. I can't believe how fast this hour has flown by. Yeah, I know. Do you have uh, any final thoughts, Any anything to say to your fans, which you have a lot of, by the way? <laughs>
1: yeah, I just thank you for coming, guys. I'm sorry I'm such a, a, a mysteri- mysterious presence online. Uh, I don't really have any social media stuff, but, uh, you know, sometimes a little mystery is, is good in everyone's life.
0: <laughs> I agree. And, you know, when it comes to that, I'm just going to say uh, not everybody has to have an Instagram account. Not yeah. everybody has to have a
1: Twitter account. It's, it's probably detrimental. I mean, I, I think nowadays it kind of helps your resume to have a good following, but, uh, I, I can't do it with, my, I don't, I don't know what no, to tell people.
0: <laughs> no, I don't, I don't blame you in the slightest bit, not in the slightest bit. Uh, Eric, thank you so much for thank being you. a part of our show. This has been a fascinating hour. Uh, I've been watching you for a long time. I'm looking forward to a lot more stuff that's going to come out from, uh, you know your way so thank you on behalf of dead talk live and just spending this hour and sharing with us guys thank you for tuning in thank Uh, you so much guys i hope you enjoyed this interview as much as i have Uh, on behalf of eric and myself stay safe and until the next time stay walking good night